it is difficult to see how piling into Netflix now as a severely beaten down stock makes sense because though it is very badly beaten down, it was falling from a height that was unjustifiable on any like economic ground. On this episode of Early Bird, John Engel, president of Armington Capital Merchant Bankers. John joins the podcast today to talk about the streaming wars in the stock market with Netflix and other competitors, including a look at the recent earnings from Netflix. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, John, thank you for coming today to the Early Bird Podcast. Welcome, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Mike, thanks for having me on. No problem. I'm really excited. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Netflix stock and really all the other stocks in this streaming space and what it means for retail investors. Uh, before we do that, though, let's uh, talk a little bit about your background, John. Um, if you could, 30 seconds, quick biography, tell everybody quickly about your background. Sure. Yeah. My name is John Engel. Uh, I am president of Almaden Capital Merchant Bankers. Uh, we are a small investment firm based in Illinois. Uh, my background is in startup financing as, and consulting, as well as in uh, venture capital and public equities investments. And uh, our firm specializes in sort of special event, uh, special situations and event-driven investing across a, universe, like a wide universe of different industries. Nice. So you're well-diverse. That's great. Uh, have lots of different opportunities for your firm. Um, so, so today we're talking about Netflix. Um, just a few weeks ago, Netflix, the streaming giant, posted its earnings, and the earnings did not go so well for the company. The company lost 200,000 subscribers. It marked the first time in over 10 years that Netflix actually lost subscribers in a quarter, and the company expects to lose even more subscribers in the upcoming quarter, the one that we're currently in. Um, John, what do you make of Netflix post-earnings? Well, uh, as is often the case with companies that are driven very heavily by uh, a narrative expectation of essentially infinite growth, mm -hmm. uh, when that growth hits a wall, even a mod even a moderate one, it can completely alter, can transform the way people uh, look at that stock. Netflix is a perfect example of that, the, uh, and doubly so, because not only is it a highly narrative-driven stock in its own right, it is also until very recently, uh, in terms of public mindshare and investor mindshare, been treated as if it as if it is the streaming industry, and that it's almost a proxy for streaming as a whole. As competitors have emerged, and now as Netflix's growth has stalled fundamentally, that that view is being 
has been radically reassessed mm -hmm. and caused the uh, pretty tremendous drop in uh, the stock since earnings. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The streaming industry has changed. Um, Netflix, you know, as we said, bad earnings for Netflix. Um, and what do you make of the earnings? They, 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 they lost subscribers. They blamed everything from competition. They blamed the war in Europe. They blamed password sharing. Well, what do you make of the actual earnings from the company? Uh, I mean, Netflix, like as 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 you as has been the case for quite a while, uh, brought like had very like healthy revenue. Their cost of revenue, however, is growing faster than their actual re than, than their revenue is growing, which is a function in large part of the fact that Netflix, unlike a lot of other streaming platforms, is reliant on licensing the content of other IP, uh, IP holders rather than uh, re resting on their own. In terms of the actual like, earnings, like there wasn't anything catastrophic on the on the financial side so far, but uh, Netflix has, has never made as much money as its valuation implied because the expectation has always been that as Netflix eventually sort of becomes the, the streaming universe, it would have enormous pricing power that would eventually allow it to raise prices and sort of move from very, very thin margins and uh, like frequently negative like overall like free cash flow when you're talking about reinvestment in content themselves. Uh, you end up with uh, a lot of problems when you when thing when content becomes more expensive, you can't grow your top line and people are going elsewhere for uh, like their content. So mm -hmm. Netflix, they lost 200,000 in the first quarter. That is not uh, the worst outcome on its own. Uh, like a more, they lost more people from leaving Russia than the 200,000 net loss was. So they would have still had a small net gain if they hadn't uh, basically shut off service in Russia. Uh, but that won't be an excuse in the next quarter. And they know that and they've already flagged that they're going to lose, you know, an order of magnitude more, like in the million plus uh, range of, of subscribers in the next quarter, which is obviously not great for a company that uh, is valued as if it will grow ad infinitum. Yeah, it, it's not a good time for Netflix. It, it sounds like you're pretty uh, bullish on the stock, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I would call myself <laughs> on the sidelines right now. It's fallen, it's fallen a lot. Uh, and a lot. I'd say that it, it what, we, what we did, what I say most people uh, would wisely do in the near term would be like to, to cover or to watch on the sidelines or at least reduce a short position if they have one mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it's fallen a lot. There, it probably has more to lose over the longer run as people uh, come to terms more and more with the fact that Netflix is one of many fiercely, like uh, many, one of many competitors in a fiercely competitive and ruinously a difficult market to be in, like, in terms of just media, mm -hmm. uh, and that they have the fundamental disadvantage of not having anything other than streaming, mm -hmm. and their IP owned the, the IP they actually own is uh, very limited. Mm. So I I agree with you totally. I I and I was being sarcastic before. I don't agree. I, I'm not a I'm not bullish on this company. I, I I do not own it. But I just want to play devil's advocate a little bit here. But let's just okay. hypothetically assume that I was bullish on the company. Uh, the stock is down. What is it? Seventy percent, more than seventy percent since peaking several months ago. Um, so it's a good buy the dip opportunity. Um, it's a company where 
Uh, they're going to look at other revenue streams, including advertising revenue in the future. And then in the immediate future, they've got the latest season of Stranger Things coming out, as well as other series. Is, this, is, is that not a good opportunity for investors as you see it, or am I missing something? Well, I would say that there is, uh, based on just sort of the trading path behavior around Netflix, is that you know new significant new content dropping can be a tailwind, like a positive tailwind. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it is beaten down, which is why I say like standing on the sidelines is probably a smart move if you were shorting it until recently, uh, simply because there there will be traders who may think and like to create sufficient sufficient number of traders to create sufficient momentum to pop it up a little bit but uh looking at the sort of broader trend it is difficult to see how piling into netflix now as a severely beaten down stock makes sense because though it is very badly beaten down it was falling from a height that was unjustifiable on any like economic grounds. I mean, even now, Netflix's uh, market cap, uh, you know, in the which in the in the, so in the eighty billion range uh, this week, that is just a little less than half right now of what Disney's is. And you're looking, and so if you compare those two companies, mm-hmm. you know, Disney is rapidly gaining on Netflix in terms of will probably have as many streaming uh, customers as Netflix does mm-hmm. this year, and that and streaming is just one of an omni-channel media empire that Disney has. So it it has television, it has films, it has uh, merchandise that is just incredible, (laughs) incredible business. It has uh, theme parks, it has all these these elements that are monetizable, but it also owns just an astonishing amount of monetizable IP. Like Stranger Things is actually a very good example of one of Netflix's very few uh, potentially durable... Uh, pieces of IP, but even it, if you think about it, is actually basically just derivative of like 1980s uh, horror nostalgia and sort of t- teen movie mis- nostalgia. Yeah. Like, it ha- I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to trash talk Stranger Things. I'm saying <laughs> that it is something that is built on on other IP, like fun- and memories of other IP, is difficult to make into sort of the flagship. It- explanation for why uh, you should believe that their IP portfolio will uh, be able to sustain them through this because it just costs an incredible amount of money and a lot of time to build uh, a Disney level or even like Viacom or CBS like has all these uh, really great uh, yeah. Uh, IP uh, catalogs. I think I think few in the world today. So, John, I do want to talk about these competitors in a second, but but I think it's very interesting. Hopefully, you know, I I don't think Netflix can wait any longer until the next Squid Games comes out. They might need that boost as soon as possible. Um, But I kind of want to take a a, a step back a little bit quickly and just look at this higher level topic. Um, You've said to me earlier about how retail investors have considerable exposure to the company. And, and you wanted to highlight the dangers of narrative-driven stocks in rapidly evolving industries. Can, can you explain what, what you mean by that? Right, absolutely. So as is, as is what can frequently happen when you have a new technology and new and disruptive new player enter a market, uh, is that people begin to associate the new technology or the new business modality with that company. So... Uh, you, you've seen this a lot in re, in, re, in recent years. You see uh, like Netflix being just one example. In this case, 
becoming essentially representative of streaming, that people who believe that who believe that streaming was the future invested in Netflix because Netflix was was streaming. Mm. We saw this play out in a, a much shorter time frame with things like Virgin Galactic, which was seen as you know the first real essentially pure play space flight uh, stock that people were investing in it because it was the one thing they could invest in that was mm. part of the space economy. That obviously corrected rapidly. You see uh, it with like electric vehicles where Tesla uh, for, for many years and even now is valued in a, at a way that almost implies that it is the, not only the electric vehicle industry, but sort of the future dominant player in automotives. Oh. So you have this narrative that makes it very easy to think about the one player that's growing rapidly uh, as the inevitable only player in the, in, in the industry. But unlike... Uh, sort of networking platforms, uh, such as, you know, search in the case of Google or various kinds of like social networks that have emerged there, uh, or Amazon with distribution, there isn't a natural monopoly here that can be, that is, that can be defended. And media is actually one of the ones that is least defensible because, uh, creation and dissemination of, you know, monetizable intellectual property is a, is a much longer sort of development and sales cycle, but it's also just fiercely competitive and the barriers to entry are extremely low. Streaming is a competitive market. When we return, we'll hear from John about different streaming stocks and his advice for retail investors. But first, let me tell you where you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, John, today we're, we're talking about Netflix um, and the horrible earnings it just had, but we're also taking a look at the, the, the streaming industry as a whole and some of the big up-and-coming competitors. You mentioned one already, Disney, and how it has this really nice um, diversified portfolio of, of beyond just streaming. It has the theme parks and other properties, and, and, and it's able to get revenue from different sources. Uh, what other companies that are involved in streaming that you also like? Like is a is a is a is a is a, dif- is a is a difficult term in the sense that I believe that there are there's value in some of these uh, platforms, but frequently you you there is a diff- there's a difference between having a good product and a well priced and a well priced business from from, a, from an investment standpoint. And as with much of streaming media, we've seen like Disney had you know a fairly parabolic rise like, like in, in the last couple of years as people began to reprice it as a streaming company. Mm-hmm. But that repricing, it can be great when you're riding it up, but when people realize that the economics will be more similar to what was, what was already known, uh, the repricing tends to go back towards that direction. So in terms of what companies like I, I like among streaming, among streaming players, what platforms I think are interesting, I think, Viacom has had some issues, like uh, to say the least. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> but it's it's like got I, a good. I, I, got I a lot of good properties. It is, Viacom. Yeah. <laughs> it know. is a uh, its whole issues have like have made it a bit 
untouchable from my from from my, from my perspective even mm. now. Uh, but uh, the biggest the only the, the, so the only real streaming players that I think are interesting mm-hmm. as part of a bigger company are like, are probably Disney would be the top would be at the top principally because they are spending a ton of money on building their streaming channel. Mm-hmm. They are also packaging it with. Uh, with sports in terms of ESPN Plus, which is uh, an, an, an important thing to consider because uh, cut cord cutting has been an issue for Disney for a while, but now that it is able to provide an alternative, uh, it is able to hopefully maybe able to sustain its like very lucrative uh, professional sports uh, network subscription uh, business, but. Uh, yeah, all the players that are like so streaming's gonna probably go like, basically there, and then they, then you have other players that are like not true that are also not pure play streaming players, but are also but are doing it even more tangentially mm-hmm. than Disney. Like Disney streaming makes perfect sense because it's a it's a content company, it's a visual yes. content medium media company. You have uh, but then you have companies like Apple do it with Apple TV and mm-hmm. Amazon with Prime Video. Uh, both of which are producing interesting content, but you know they're pursuing streaming in a, in a fundamentally diff- from a fundamentally different strategic mindset. Like neither of them are aiming to become like to compete with Netflix and the, or or with Disney Plus. You know they're not trying to be those companies. That is just a value add on an already existing uh, platform, especially for, from Amazon's perspective. So yes. it's important to not like, to think of to think of what why each company is doing streaming and whether they can do it effectively, and whether the the, the strategy that they're pursuing will make sense. Like, a lot of people will you know, a lot of investors you know in the narrative era would, would say like, well, there's no way that Prime Video or that Apple TV will ever be able to compete with Netflix. The point is that they 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 don't want to. That's not their that's not what they're there to do. Yes, and there's certainly several others. You know, you mentioned Apple and Amazon and and the streaming platforms they have. Those are not pure play streaming companies, as you said. But there's so many others. There's Google, who own YouTube and YouTube TV, uh, Comcast. You know, another content powerhouse. They have the Peacock platform out there. So it's it's certainly an interesting universe of streaming companies in the market right now. Yep, yeah, and I think that that's it's it's going to be interesting to see. For the companies that are uh, media companies that are that are uh, uh, one of these sort of big network owners that you know includes Disney, but uh, it also includes you know CBS's route, uh, you have Peacock and NBC on, on in its in its lane as a uh, way to buttress the value of you know the, the core networks that are still what pe- the the only like the, the thing that everyone still has on their TVs if they have a TV. So, I mean, all these companies are trying to get into streaming, um, you know, and, and, and some of them are being successful. Disney in the past few years has been su- successful. You know, we recently saw CNN try to release their own app and, <clears throat> and it failed miserably. Um, I, I guess from an investor's standpoint, when you, when you see all these companies coming out with their, their new streaming app, should, should you pause a minute and, and, and take it with a, with a grain of salt, so to speak? Um, I would say look closely at what's going on. So like if like if a company announces a new like that it's going into getting into streaming, first ask what their like what their actual strategy is. Because if they're talking about going head to head with companies like 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 Disney or Netflix that are spending, you know, 10 to 30 billion dollars on content every year, like if they're do if they're if they think they're going to go head to head with that with a sort of niche player, they're doomed. But if they have a 
plan that will actually be able to help them monetize the existing IP or create new revenue streams for at like a relatively low incremental cost for things they already have. That's like, that's interesting. Mm. And uh, however, like overall, I would uh, uh, say that by and large, streaming's kind of saturated and everyone knows about it. So that trying, but and so there is not an enormous amount of excitement, I would say, like in, uh, from, in, 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 from an investing standpoint of companies trying to get into this market. So with that being said, John, what advice would you offer to retail investors on this particular topic of streaming stocks? Um, I, I would, I would ask that I would recommend that they consider what the actual steady state of the future is likely to be like, look 10 years from now at what you, or just look five years from now, like where you think streaming media is going to be, uh, overall. And do you think it will be more diffuse or more consolidated? Uh, and do you think that there's any chance that one of these companies that is current, that, that would, that's still being priced, you know, any of these companies that are priced richly on the basis of in, infinite or nigh infinite growth, it, what is the real chance of that happening? Because the long term is made up of many of, of, of many short terms, and if in the short and if each short term fails to meet the lo that long term growth trajectory, you're never going to get to the long term you want. So, to retail investors who are like who are in these sort of stocks. Not just streaming, but streaming is an excellent example of it, where there has been heavy narrative where they get uh, in, inordinate amounts of coverage, not only uh, on places like CNBC as well, and uh, on uh, financial media and on financial websites, overcovered stocks that have become sort of totems of an industry. Rethink your exposure to those overall, because your exposure to sort of idiosyncratic risk of those companies that are even in the best of circumstances, perhaps not going to meet their current valuation. Like how, like, like they, it is difficult to see how holding a position and hoping that it will grow into an even larger valuation, maybe, uh, but wishful thinking. Mm. Good, good point there. John, one more question. Uh, th uh, thank you so much, by the way, for coming on the show and, and giving your insights on this very important issue. Um, I just have one more question and it's the big question for today's discussion. Um, that question is, um, John, during a zombie apocalypse, uh, which fictional character would you want by your side? Any fictional character? Any. Uh, probably like Superman, I guess. Why not? He can't be bitten by human teeth. I'm going to stand behind him. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Thank you again to John Engel for sharing your insights on streaming stocks. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.